Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. I just want to start by thanking you for listening. I've been learning a lot about podcasting and how all of this works. And part of the fun is watching the metrics on my podcast website. And you guys, this podcast is spreading around the world. And so many people are listening. I'm just really grateful to be introducing you to such special people as they share their stories and their hope and how they fight for joy in their brokenness. And I'm really blessed by the feedback that I've been getting. So keep it coming. People are being encouraged and helped. So please keep sharing this podcast with others. And if you could subscribe or write a review on iTunes, that would really help too, as it will make the podcast easier for people to find. So let's keep working together to help others find this podcast and to learn about fighting for joy in the midst of this broken world. Okay, so today is episode seven, and you will hear part two of my conversation with my friend and mentor, Nancy Guthrie. I introduced her in part one, so if you missed that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one before you continue listening here to part two so that it's easier for you to jump into the second half of our time together. Today, we're going to talk about some practical aspects of grieving, like not fighting tears, but fighting bitterness, and how to, as Nancy calls it, put grief on the shelf, which is a tool to stay engaged with those around you and keep moving forward in your journey. And as you listen in, especially as we talk about some signs of healing, keep in mind that I am five and a half years into grief and Nancy is 20 years in. So we are talking from that perspective. A number of you who I know are listening in are still in pretty raw grief, so be patient with where you are. You may not be ready for some of the things that we discuss, and that is okay. By God's grace, you will be someday, and my hope is that it will be helpful for you to hear how God is bringing us along and the healing that has come. But still know that there continue to be days when it feels like Jackson just died. And I'm sure you noticed Nancy's tenderness and the sadness that is still right at the surface as she shared in part one about Hope and Gabe. So even with healing and progress, we continue to grieve. It is always such a both and. Also here in part two, we talk about Nancy's podcast called Help Me Teach the Bible. Now for some of you, a podcast like hers might be a stretch, but I wanted to spend a little time talking about it and introducing you to it nonetheless, because as we grow in our faith and our understanding of scripture, we gain a better understanding of who God is and what he has actually promised, and therefore we can better fight for joy and press on in our brokenness. Well, as I'm sure you can tell, I have learned a lot from Nancy over the years, not just about grief, but also about friendship, marriage, serving others, podcasting, and how to study the Bible and treasure God's words and promises in ways that have provided me with comfort and help and strength and hope. I hope you were encouraged by part one. Here is part two. One of the big takeaways that I had from the retreat was um, the idea that you shared of putting grief on the shelf. Um, that was a new idea for me as I was just trying to learn and and navigate grief. Um, but it was a hugely helpful concept because, um, I wanted to stay engaged, you know, as a wife, as a mom, um, and with others. Um, and just, so you helped, you helped me to understand that there would be times when I might need to almost 
almost let go of the intense sadness and grief just for mm-hmm. a set amount of time for the sake of others. Um, yes. And the way that you said it was that our grief wouldn't go anywhere. You can pull no. that down off the shelf anytime yeah. you want, dive right back in. But you just made us aware that there would be occasions um, where the focus would need to be on other things and other people. And it's much easier to do now, um, you know, five and a half years into grief. But it was a hard message to hear then and hard to implement. But I'm so grateful because it's been a really helpful tool and it has served me and and our marriage and our kids well. Um, Is there anything you can share about this concept and maybe just an example of how it might play out and maybe why we're fearful to to do this grief on the shelf? um, Yeah. Well, I do think um, we're around people and I think we're oftentimes afraid to smile and laugh because Mm -hmm. we're afraid everybody think, oh, she's all healed now. Right, right. I don't need to ask about it again and everything's okay now and we don't want people to think that and so um we're a little bit afraid to smile and laugh i think we're also afraid that someone i mean this is terrifying thought that someone might think we didn't really love the person who has died yeah if we can be so happy at this point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that keeps us from it um but i think there's also darker things i think grief can really get us to the place that we always want to be the focus of attention. And yeah. we want our, we, we, in a sense, sometimes we do want everybody to walk around eggshells on us. We, <laughs> right. we, it can be very, the, we, we get so used to the focus being on us. Yeah. How are we doing? And I think this is especially the case when it, the, the death comes after a long illness and mm-hmm. it's just, always been about how's the treatment going how's you know all of those kinds of things and we can our relationships can get kind of out of whack Mm -hmm. with each other and we just get used to it always being about us and yeah I think a real sign of healing is a return to normalcy and balance in relationships Uh, and like to be in a situation and I, and I would imagine you'll know what I mean. Maybe, you know, you're in a social situation or a situation at church or at lunch with the girls or at a school event or whatever, and everybody's talking about something, you know, and maybe it's, you know, the upcoming prom or whatever. And, you know, all you can think about is this is something my child's not going to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And or there is such an opportunity to interject something that causes you to kind of win the day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I've got the hardest thing and I'm gonna you know yeah I can't believe you guys are all complaining about your kids how nice for you that your kids are here you know and you could just kind of have the play the trump card in a conversation to get everybody going oh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but I just think okay when when you get to the point in grief where you know you have that moment that you could do that. Yeah. And you make the choice not to. Yeah. I am not going to make this about me and my loss in this moment. I am going to keep the focus on whatever it is about somebody else or something else. I'm not going to take the opportunity to make this about me and my grief. Like I have so many times in the past and not that that's bad, but I'm just saying this time I'm not going to. And 
in some ways you kind of miss maybe the, the sympathy and attention, but there's another part of you that you walk away from that experience and you think, okay, maybe grief is not, it, it, it's not an, always going to be in charge of me yeah. and it's yeah. not always going to dominate all of my interactions. And, oh man, it really felt good yeah. to care genuinely and keep the spotlight on someone else mm -hmm. rather than always turning it toward me. I, I think that's when that happens, we begin to think, okay, the fruit of the spirit mm -hmm. uh, is, it, you know, there, there's fruit of selflessness being generated in my life by the work of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. this is a very good thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, at the beginning, I felt like, boy, putting that grief up on the shelf and doing what you just said with not being the center of attention, it took work. And it felt yes. like a very heavy thing to lift up on that shelf. And now I do feel like it just it happens a lot more naturally, a lot more quickly. Sometimes I don't even realize that that it's happening. And then I think later, okay, well, yeah, that that is such a kind gift of the Lord. He's showing me that he is healing and helping and I am taking steps to um, to be where I want to be in these friendships and these relationships. Mm -hmm. And so thank you. That's just been such a good tool for me and um, and um, an effective an effective tool too. So another you know, the other thing yeah. that comes out of that, by the way, is that um, usually in those situations, I feel like there's usually maybe a friend in that situation and she's holding her breath because she knows you well enough and knows your situation well enough that she knows what you could have said in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And you chose not to. Mm -hmm. And so to walk away from that thing and, and she's thinking to herself, okay, okay, Jody, she, she's actually thinking rather than you getting a bunch of uh, sympathy from her, you got admiration from her mm -hmm. that you were willing to die to yourself mm -hmm. um, a little bit in that moment. And, be quiet and let the focus be on someone else and not bring down everybody's joyful conversation or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, to discover, oh, okay, you know, to, that it, to receive that, that my friends begin to see, I'm not insisting that this always be about me anymore, mm -hmm. that, that that's a pretty good thing too. It is a good thing. And, and the other thing that stems from that too, is they see, um, that God is a healer. They begin yeah. to um, get hope buoyed up in their own hearts for, yeah. okay, I, God is at work. He is healing. He is helping. He is enough for her right now. Um, and if and when the worst thing I can imagine happens to me, then I can begin to believe yeah. he's going to do that kind of work in yes, me too. That's right. That's right. Another huge takeaway from the retreat um, for us as a couple was the ideas of tears not being the enemy. And that was such a relief, especially for Eric, <laughs> because yeah. they just, the tears would not stop flowing for me and Eric could do nothing to help me stop crying. And so yeah. to hear you and David talk about leaning into the tears um, and that they were actually a sweet gift from the Lord and that they let the sadness out, it was very helpful and freeing. And, um, but then I remember Eric asking you, okay, so if tears aren't the enemy, what is? And I remember mm. you saying, bitterness and despondency, fight those. Don't fight wow. the tears. So we've started calling those our enemies in grief, bitterness mm. and despondency, um, because they can so easily steal our joy. Um, 
And we have just continued to say over and over, um, tears are not the enemy, tears are not the enemy. So I don't even know if you remember telling us that or not. It was up late one night Mm -hmm. at the retreat. But how did you learn about what to fight and not what to fight? That you shouldn't fight tears, but you should fight bitterness, for example. Is it just through observing grieving people? Did somebody Mm. share this with you or did you see it in scripture? Or how how did you come to that? Probably most likely because I had to do such a battle with bitterness in my own heart and Mm. I saw what a corroding effect it had in my life. Um, You know, I I did better with it the second time around with Gabe because I'd kind of learned the first Mm -hmm, time. mm -hmm. The first time I, going through this experience with hope, I just felt like I kept such tabs on people and accounts. It's tempting to do that, yeah who had been there for us and who hadn't and who'd said the right thing and who'd said the dumb thing and just all of that. And it was very arrogant of me and it was alienating with Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I just, it was at one point, it was very humbling for me to see some people and interact with some people that then I realized how obtuse I had been toward them and a loss they had experienced. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. back when I didn't know what that was like. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And so it just was like, it was very humbling to just go, wow, Nancy, I, you know, how many people have you hurt over many years because you didn't get it and you didn't, you didn't have the courage to enter in and you were selfish. And so that was very humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also just in the months after hope died is I just, as I began to grow very bitter towards some people who had disappointed me in that and just experienced what a corrosive, unhealthy impact that had on me and on my relationships and how freeing and joyful it was to forgive and release people from that and, and to step toward people Rather than, I, I just think there's a different posture there. So that when it came around with Gabe, instead of, I think a lot of times with, with Hope, I'd had that posture kind of leaning back with my arms crossed, like, what have you got for me? Right. Right. And instead, I think then getting to go through it a second time, it was more like leaning forward with my arms forward, just to invite people in and to have less demands for them to know what to say or how to respond, but just invite them in to talk about it and, and just not be so demanding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did, I did better with that the second time, I think because of that. Yeah. Well, that's been a a helpful remember or reminder for me too. And, um, you know, the tears are, are less now, but when they, when they creep in again, I just have to say it again, they are not the enemy. And I know they make people uncomfortable at times, but it is such a gift to get, um, some more sadness out. So, mm-hmm. well, as I mentioned earlier, you have a podcast and, um, mm-hmm. it's called help me teach the Bible. Um, I love it so much, Nancy, and it is, um, it's inspired me. It's equipped me. Um, I've learned so much from the guests that you've had on, um, Tell me, me a little bit. Yeah, tell me a little bit about how it got started and um, what kind of listeners you're connecting with. Um, just how that's going. <laughs> that's funny you ask how it got started. I mean, the idea came driving along the car with Dave. That's kind of <laughs> like the resurrection. Right. And it's like, hey, how about if I do a? a I mean, somebody. Uh, 
this uh, other podcast had asked me to be a, a host with them. And I started, to, I just decided, no, I don't want to do that. But then I was like, but I do want to do something like that. What, what would work? And I don't know. I came up with this idea and I proposed it to Gospel Coalition to be the host of the podcast. And then Crossway did, agreed to be a sponsor. And I guess, I, I guess what drove me, I mean, honestly, a lot of it was, I, I remember um, as, as I was just beginning to think about it, we had here in Nashville, we have this regular thing where seminary professors from Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia come here and do a thing called Seminary on Saturday. Mm. And I had Vern Poitras at my house for lunch on Sunday, and I'm sitting around the table, and I just thought, here is this incredible theologian, teacher, and I just thought, I'd just like to record this because there's so many people would love to be mm-hmm. able to ask right. me the questions I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was part of it. I just thought, okay, so I do get to intersect with some of these people some, and I know a lot yeah. of other people would love to ask them questions. And so I'll just sit down with them and ask them questions that I think other teachers like me would like to be able to ask. Yeah, yeah. And and I think the other thing was, you know, there'd be so many times I'd be working on a particular passage and I would think to myself, wow, I wish I could ask so-and-so how mm-hmm. they dealt with mm-hmm. this and how they figured out how to deal with this question in the text. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I guess the other thing that drove me was just knowing how many, you know, there are so many men and men who preach, most of them have had homiletics courses or they've been to seminary. And there are so many women out there who want to handle the Bible well, mm-hmm. but they haven't had the opportunity necessarily to go to seminary. And so to provide them with yeah. access to that kind of insight and and help with, from really excellent Bible teachers you know, what, what, I, what I've said all the way along is that my goals have been to introduce people to better mentors. And by that, I mostly mean, I mean, like anybody I talk to help me on the, to help me teach the Bible, they're just people you can trust. Yeah, yeah. What they, what they write about and what they say, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm very picky. <laughs> people... <laughs> That's, I got a pitch from a publisher yesterday, and I won't tell you who the author was, but I mean, it was like, oh, we thought you'd like to talk to this person about his book, <laughs> such and such. And I just admit, no, thank you. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. ne- not anywhere near close a person I would ever put out there for yeah. people to then begin to listen to and follow and trust. So, But I also think there are a lot of good Bible teacher mentors out there who aren't the big names. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as you've noticed, I talk to a lot of people in the UK and Australia. So (laughs) there are a lot of people that, you know, the American audience might not know about. And the reason I have ended up talking to people in the UK and Australia is those are people who get biblical theology. It's in their bones and in it's a it's a it's just such an integral part of the way they approach the Bible to teach the Bible with a sense of redemptive history, Mm -hmm. which so many of us who grew up in the States, we didn't get going mm-hmm. growing up and so it's not instinctive to us and right. so uh it's been fun to me to talk to people who have that and it comes naturally and then it's just worked out so well I mean I only do my interviews in person and so you know I just look at where I'm going to speak or yeah. do something else and I think who's there so like for example next month I'm going to Ireland the UK and Italy 
<laughs> and wow. So, so then you figure out who's there. Who can I talk yeah, to? Mm-hmm. So yesterday I had an email interaction with a guy named T.D. Alexander. He's, you know, he wrote a book. He's written a number of books like from, from Eden to the New Jerusalem or from the Promised Land. Um, I can't remember what that title from. But, oh, from the Promised Land to Paradise. And he's hmm. just got a new book out on a biblical theology of the city of God. And he teaches in Belfast. So I emailed him and, you know, I'm flying in early enough that I can do an interview with him. I love that. And uh, then I'm going to do a couple with um, Christopher Ash, who I've talked to before, Mm -hmm. but I'll be uh, at a conference where he is. And I said, oh, can we sit down and talk about Esther and Ruth? Because he's just written a book on them. And so that's how it works for me. But honestly, mostly it's about giving me an excuse to sit down and to introduce myself and to meet um, really excellent theologians and Bible teachers that I've wanted to meet and talk to. Well, I'm so glad you're doing it. And thank you for introducing us to um, to these wonderful Bible teachers. It's just such a rich um, podcast. And, um, you know, of course, there's there's like you said, the teachers that I that I know and that I'm familiar with. But um, I I think of the one you did. It was pretty early on. I think his name was Robert Smith. Um, oh, wow. Joy yes. and sorrow. Yeah, I still think on that one. And I know it was yeah. because I was earlier in my grief, too. And that just was really um, a personal tender um, ministry to me. But um, yeah, I mean, he's somebody I, I wouldn't have necessarily mm-hmm. known um, or heard from. And that was encouraging to my to my faith as well as Rosaria Butterfield. And, you know, some mm-hmm. of the other people that you've had on, too. It's just um, you're right. We want to handle scripture well, whether we're formally teaching the Bible um in a women's Bible study or, you know, even for me, I mean, Eric and I are daily teaching the Bible to our kids formally and informally. And we want to, um, to have good resources and good mentors and to do it well. And so thank you. I, I love it. And, um, what other, are there any other podcasts that you're listening to right now? Oh, I'm always going from podcast to podcast. Um, I never miss the white horse in, Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. you know, I've learned so much from it. And, uh, so I always love the white horse in, uh, you know, I listen to a number of sermon podcasts, um, like from St. Helen's Bishop's gate. I love to listen to their sermons, uh, in London. Hmm. Um, what else? I, I enjoy the Bible project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their conversations, I learn a lot from those. Yeah. Um, boy, yeah. Well, but it, it, you know, I go in and out of podcasts. Uh-huh. Don't you? I mean, it's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I really oh, yeah. listen to a lot, and but yeah. it's really what I would rather do a lot of times now when I'm driving or doing things around oh, the house. Totally. I would love. I love having podcasts on. So, um, one more follow up question about podcasting. I'm going to kind of pick your brain for a second, but as I'm chatting with people on this podcast about joy and fighting for joy in the midst of hard things, um, what what should I be asking or if you were hosting it and having conversations with people that had walked through difficult stuff and they're fighting for joy and understanding in a new ways, the brokenness of this world and yet the hope that we can find in it. Um, can you think of something you'd want to ask each guest or that you think I should make sure I bring up? I, yes, I would ask them, can you turn with me to some specific scriptures? That's good. To show me how they've helped. Um, I uh, recently I uh, I was in a city and they asked me to come to a a uh, grief share group um, and spend time. So I was with about eight grief share people and I was just asking the question, you know, where where do we find some things to take hold of 
um, to help us find hope and joy and perspective. And it was just interesting. They just could not hmm. come up with hmm. anything from the Bible hmm. that they could take hold of that wow. would make any difference in their loss. And I just thought, man, that's the skill you better be developing. Yes, that's uh, good. That's because, good. Because, you know, floundering in this group, you got to have something solid you're going to take hold of that you're going to meditate on, that you're going to choose to believe, that you're going to use to fight the lies and the and the crazy thoughts and if you haven't developed that you know if you if you're avoiding the bible or just reading it in a general way and not not feeding on it expecting that it's going to reshape your perspective about things then you're going to be in trouble and yeah. so it's one thing that recent experience said to me was that a lot most people don't know how to do that and right. so yeah. when someone, you know, they just hear, read the Bible and they think I'm not that I've read the Bible in the midst of this. I don't understand it. It doesn't seem to apply. It doesn't seem comforting. And that speaks to me of someone who's, who's never really learned how to mine the Bible yeah. and feed on the word in a way that applies to real life. And yes. so to have guests that have been able to learn how to do mm -hmm. it and, and that they can demonstrate, okay, here's a verse, and here was the issue I was dealing with, mm -hmm. and here's what I figured out from this verse, and I began to, you know, mold this around in my mind like I might suck on a piece of hard candy and yeah. try to get all of its flavor out. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, to help people develop that skill by hearing how other people have done that with a passage of scripture, a specific passage for a specific issue, I think would be really helpful. Yeah, that's very helpful. And Eric has said something along the lines of, it's good to know God keeps his promises, but do you know his promises? Yes. And that's similar a similar idea of just, we can say all of these things about God, um, who we think he is, what do we think he's said or promised, but... Um, how much better, like you said, to mine the scriptures and to see them. You know, and, and the to opposite share them. is true too, because um, a lot of people who are angry and alienated from God, most often it's because they think that God promised something He didn't promise. Right. right. Yeah. And so, you know, whenever I interact with somebody who's angry with God, you know, what was it you expected him, from Him, and on what basis? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it ends up being someone who really doesn't know the scriptures, but they've, they've received some bad Bible teaching that made or made some bad assumptions, mm -hmm. uh, just thinking that God has promised some things that he hasn't promised. Yeah. Or that, and, and so they think the Christian life is supposed to work a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing, the knowing the Bible and what he's promised is going to help us deal with figuring out what he hasn't promised. Yes. That's so good. That's so good. Well, I'm looking at the time. And so I want to start kind of wrapping things up. And I just want to ask a couple of questions here at the end. Um, the first one is just how do you personally recharge? Because fighting for joy, doing ministry like you're doing, I mean, it's hard work. It can be tiring. I don't know if you still experience that, um, the undercurrent of grief. I don't know if you've heard of that term, but just the energy stealing um, that's going on underneath everything that you're doing. Um, but what restores you? What helps you press on when you're tired or weary? Mm. Well, I wish I had a better answer to this question. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, the reality of my world is that um, 
I work a lot, but mm-hmm. my work is such a joy to me. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel like work mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mostly, though, you know, my biggest recharge is um, I have, you know, I live near this beautiful park in Nashville, and I've got a number of friends that we just text each other and say, you want to walk. And so to get out into these parks by my house, into nature, Mm -hmm. whether I have my headphones on listening to a podcast or some music or walking with a friend and talking, um, that really feeds my soul a lot. Yeah. and then just to be with people who make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, grief can be really lonely, I think. And, yeah. But also just life is lonely. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to be a grieving person to struggle with loneliness. Because sometimes I thought, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of people and people who love me, but I find myself feeling really lonely. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, the antidote to that is to be with people and just have a really good hearty belly laugh. You yeah. Know? yeah. Meaning, meaningful conversation and or really laugh. And yeah. so that's, that's probably that's what we good. Talked. I mean, those are those are ways um, to fight for joy on the day to day basis. I mean, you and I both agree that the biggest way to, to find joy is to stay steeped in the truth of God's word, right? And yep. to memorize scripture, but on a normal Saturday, like today, um, yeah. yeah, getting out on a walk, having a big belly laugh. These are these are ways that we can practically yeah. fight for joy. Um, who or what is uh, inspiring to you? It can be in your day-to-day life or in the deeper fight for joy or just um, in Bible teaching or is there mm-hmm. something or someone who you think, man, I am I am fired up. I'm inspired by this person or mm. this thing. You know, a lot of it is uh, just ordinary people in my church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I, I, you know, I've worked in Christian publishing it long enough. I started in 1984, right out of college to not always be so enamored by famous people that everybody mm-hmm. knows. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I'm oftentimes like I, you know, there's this couple in my church that they run a ministry to uh, Kurdish refugees. Wow. And they also take teams over to Greece to meet boatloads of Syrian refugees and give them dry socks. And, um, it just kills me that I haven't been able to go on one of those trips Hmm. because that to the least of these, uh, to me is that that's impressive. And, and this friend, what really amazes me about her is like, I've already had some interaction with her today asking me what I'm doing. Like, like hmm. you can imagine that ministry <laughs> kind of keeps you busy. Right. Mm-hmm. But she's always tracking with my schedule to pray about my ministry things. And mm-hmm. I just, yeah, uh, the selflessness of mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. because honestly, I don't do that back to her. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. she does that for me. So, you know, so I admire that. Yeah. Or I think about this other widow in my church named Jan and she carries on Bible study correspondence with prisoners. So she's, she's involved with this thing called Crossroads Bible something. And so, you know, she like, they send a Bible lesson to a prisoner and it comes back to her and she gives feedback on it and sends it to, you know, so that's how she's spending these retirement years. And that inspires me. Yeah. And not only that, she's the biggest ball of joy every (laughs) Sunday at church. You know, she doesn't feel sorry for herself. Yeah. She's got a big smile and she's kind to people. Yeah. And, um, yeah, those are the kind of people I, who inspire I love me. that. I love that. Eric and I have talked about that a lot, about just, um, you know, how we can be encouraging to other people as they look 
at our life and the loss we've endured, how we cannot, you know, make it about us or not have these big, huge things we think we have to do in order to make a big difference. One of the things, you know, that I encourage Eric to do is go to the bank and work. Um, do your job well, love people there well, serve them well, come home, love your family well, your church well, right? That's what that's what people are watching. It's not if we can figure out how to go speak here or there, even this podcast or, you know, it's just, it's really the ordinary day to day of how do we press on, um, trusting and entrusting our sorrow to the Lord, um, trusting the ways that he's caring for us. And then as you've taught me, get out and serve other people and, um, Mm -hmm. see the healing that comes from that. So, Mm -hmm. well, what's exciting for you right now? You mentioned that you're working on a new, uh, book and study. Um, is that kind of where your focus is or do you have another event coming up? Oh, I'm happy to have sent that off and I'm going to (laughs) finish this Bible study and then not think about it for a month. Then you'll be done. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, then I have another book to get started on writing. I've really over committed myself this year in terms of writing projects. So actually just like next week, I have to start on another book that will be due July 1st. Um, but mostly I'm excited about this trip I have coming up to, uh, Europe. So I'm, yeah. I'll be doing a couple things in Ireland, um, speaking to women on my new book, even better than Eden. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, David and I'll speak at a church in Cambridge on that Sunday night. We'll they'll just interview us about the same things you and I've talked about and God's sovereignty and suffering. Then I'll speak that week at a conference for pastors wives in the UK. And then I'll go back to uh, Italy. David and I went for the first time there last year and talk about inspiring people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just was so challenged by these people and the way they bend their lives and their relationships around building friendships so that they can share the gospel. I mean, as I watched that with him, I just thought, that is not how I'm living my life mm-hmm. in comfortable Nashville. <laughs> right. It just isn't. Yeah. And so that really challenged me. So, you know, it, it's a little embarrassing actually to think I, I'm going to be the one going and speaking when I, I, I feel like I have so much to learn from them, but well, it'll be I am, mutual. I'm, I'm sure. looking forward to that trip. That'll be yeah, fun. Yeah. Well, there's so many more things I would love to talk to you about. I hardly even, I hardly even knew where to start with the conversation, but um, I just love hearing your heart, Nancy, and your wisdom and, so grateful um, that you took the time to do this with me. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on or mention that I didn't ask you about? Do you want to briefly mention grief share or anything else that I think you've gotten everything out of me possibly? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, where can our listeners find you? Um, your website is just nancyguthrie.com. Is that right? It is. That's right. Okay. And that's where they can find out about all Nancy Guthrie yeah. related things. All things Nancy Guthrie. Good. It's pretty boring pretty fast, but yeah. No, no, it's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I've been encouraged. I know our listeners will be encouraged. And um, like I said, just thank you for showing us how to entrust God with our sorrow and our brokenness. And I'm just grateful for you. And I love you, Nancy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jody. I'm excited about what you're doing here. May the Lord bless it in the lives of people who listen. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. I would love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening by finding my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also reach me at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me these past few years in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you.